thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet number three. Look in thy glass and tell the face that thou viewest. Now is the time that face should form another, whose fresh repair, if knew thou not renewest, Thou dost beguile the word, unless bless a mother. For where is she so fair, whose uneared womb disdains the tillage of thy husbandry? Or who is he so fond will be the tomb of his self-love to stop prosperity? Thou art thy mother's glass, and she in thee calls back the lovely April of her prime. So thou through windows of thine age shalt see, despite of wrinkles, this thy golden time. But if thou live, remembered not to be, thy single and thine image dies with thee. God, I really need to practice these before I do them for this podcast. I, I apologise to all the listeners. Um, this is uh, Shakespeare's Sonnets. That was Sonnet Number Three by William Shakespeare. I'm Mark Chatterley, and I'm joined by the wonderful Thierry, who is is sat the other side of the computer from me. Exactly. Here I am. Hello, Mark. Hello. I was doing your bit for you there. That was. That's, that's yeah. yeah. We, we'll switch it up a bit. I mean, <laughs> getting carried away. Um. <laughs> so this is sonnet number three. Um. I think this one, whereas the the first sonnet and the second sonnet, for those who followed us so far, were, were very much, uh, you're getting old. Go out and have sex. I think this one is is slightly more subtle in that me- message. I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe. I'm not sure if I. I mean, he still mentions dying and death explicitly. Yeah, yeah um, I think he, it, he talks it ends. about the tomb and. I I think it, it, it's it, it's appealing to his vanity. Maybe might be a better way of saying it. The the beginning of of uh, look into the glass and and tell the face you view. So tell yourself. Uh, that now's the time we should form another uh, in the sense of it, it's appealing to his vanity of him looking into the glass and going yes yes I am quite a sexy man I should make a sexy child and, and we shall have a, a, a sexy family line going on through history it's kind of appealing at least in my mind to that kind of aspect of this character that that is true actually yeah although a sexy child is probably not, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's not the best not the, phrase uh, not the best turn of phrase yes but I, no, I mean yeah uh, you I Look at look in the mirror and go. I am a beautiful man. I, I should have be- beautiful uh, descendants. Yeah, and there there was um a, a, about um uh, thou dost beguile the world, unbless some mother, um which is an odd sentence from my point of view, which I don't quite understand in in this context. That there seems to be a. Oh, well, uh, uh, almost referencing the woman as a vessel uh, and nothing else in this process. That's pretty much. I mean, Shakespeare is so concerned with the beauty of of this man that I, I guess he almost doesn't care about who the mother would be. He just he just wants the man's genes to go on. Just 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 have. I mean, the womb just yeah, a vessel. Just just have something to to get your child from, basically. <laughs> We, I, and and the the language around the mentioning of of the woman in this the the tillage of your husbandry husbandry being working of animals and tillage being working of of uh, of agri- agri- agriculture 
Um, it is that the reference to the woman as just a host. It... Well, I mean, he says, for where is she so fair whose onion womb disdains the touch of... So, so it's basically saying there cannot possibly a woman who considers herself too beautiful to sleep with you. So just, you, 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 you could have anyone. So have anyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is... I, I, it's... Amazing to... to to have these feelings for another it, it, it's not love in the at least not yet it's not love in the sexual sense it's not a a, a homosexual relationship or, or not that i can see you it's more of a appreciative relationship of you are beautiful i can tell you as another male are a beautiful being and therefore you should go forth you make the world better it's pretty much yeah it's it's good Fairly, I mean, as I said in uh, Sonnet 1, for people who might remember, it, we don't really know whether this person actually exists. It, it might just be just fiction, a person in Shakespeare's mind. So that would, which would make it slightly less weird than uh, <laughs> writing I, them to an actual person. Yes, although uh, to to write poems to a perfect being is quite an odd thing uh, to to go so far as to create a mental image of someone who is in your mind the perfect example of a, of a male is is very odd well i mean there, me. there, there are some i don't want to say homosexual undertones but they are throughout the sonnets there are quite a few allusions to beautiful males so i mean as an artist you tend to appreciate any beautiful form whether it is male female you just you see beauty where there is beauty you don't really care about gender in that sort of yeah even without there being a sexual connotation you just if you see a beautiful man you see a beautiful man and if you write a poem you you you, you have that chance to admit it I, I, I guess if you did it today people would just go oh you're gay but <laughs> in, in shakespeare's time writing sonnets was something fairly normal to do so and and you didn't have to put no homo at the end. Yeah, exactly. They they didn't they weren't really well <laughs> maybe there there were some prejudices in that regard, but we don't really there, I, there's I, no mention in history of uh I imagine it was so hidden away from main culture that a lot of people just didn't realise it was a possibility. Realize, yeah. And I, I don't know, I, I, I'm just trying to think would you say this? I know, I, I mean, um, these aren't my opinions, but some people look at people like David Beckham and go, he's perfection, or, or um, the guy who plays Bond at the moment, someone oh, uh, Craig. Dan- Daniel Craig. Yes. Daniel Craig. I and, wouldn't and... call him perfect, but all right, yeah. <laughs> but, but people... I, I can see why some people would, yes. Yeah, but, but would you go to him? Would you write him a poem and say, you are so wonderful, you must have a child? That I... There, there's an element, at least to me, of of something quite weird about this series of poems so far, about these series of sonnets, is that it's more than just the appreciation of beauty. It's the... There's almost a, we must better the human race by allowing people like you to breed. Not, not lesser people like me. We want people like you to breed. Oh, that sounds... Very World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Only a, a certain class of people should be allowed to have children. No, but I, 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 I see your point. Uh, maybe, I maybe I'm I mean, reasoning I've, 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 I've had couples in my 
circle of friends where where I just thought if if they have to, they they will have the cutest children, but I I never really. I don't. I've never really looked at one of my my male friends and went, "You you're gonna have some beautiful kids one day." Is <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I mean. I don't know whether it's because we've uh, are of a different culture, maybe. But to me, that's a step beyond what would be deemed normal now. Maybe I I, I'm gonna need to try and get some guests on on the show, some some people who actually know, and then we can ask them these what to them are probably incredibly stupid questions, uh, and and see whether this was a normal thing going up to your best male buddy going you should have kids because you are beautiful was that a normal thing or not? Apparently, it was for Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was for Shakespeare. Um, and I, I just looking down. You're right. As as this sonnet goes on, it it becomes it brings back in some of that more um, threatening language, I suppose. But then uh, and the final couplet. But if thou live remembered not to be, die single, and thine image dies with thee. And that's that's appealing to this guy's vanity again. Of the if you die single, your image dies. Not not you. I, I'm not even talking about you. It's your image dies. And, and to, to the 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 addressee in these seems to be so vain that their image, their own reflection, means more to them than than them as a person. Well, I mean, he he makes the uh, the illusion in the um, stanza before this that um, you, your your children basically are well, he says glass, which is looking glass mirror, are an image of yourself. I mean, he says um, thou art thy mother's glass, and she is in the back the lovely April of her prime. So. April obviously being the beginning of spring yeah your mother can see or could see herself in you when she was young and beautiful so when you have children you can even when you grow old you'll still be able to see your own beauty what you used to be in your children so if if you want to keep looking at a mirror and you want to see your own beauty have children because an actual mirror will not do 10 years (laughs) from now (laughs) <laughs> and and that and that's yeah that yeah almost like by having children your beauty is frozen in time yeah because based, yeah 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 but the, it's interesting that talking about uh, thy mother's glass or your mother's looks are in thee when just a couple of lines before that we had a, a very dismissive reference to the mother of this future child as being uh, essentially maybe i'm misreading it but essentially just a uh, a vessel just an incubator for your child so it's interesting that shakespeare honors the mother of this beautiful person for having a beautiful child but doesn't honor the the what will be the mother of this future child all the beauty will come from him maybe he's seen the parents and the father was a really ugly bastard <laughs> pug ugly and and but still is is and it was the beautiful. mother in that case I did, yeah. I, that's actually yeah. I didn't pick up on that. That's quite a weird thing to do if you you're obsessed with the male in this future parent relationship, and then you go on about that guy's mother. Yeah, unless the 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 looks that he appreciates in this male are, are quite feminine. Maybe it's the uh, the the feminine beauty showing through this young male. It might be. We haven't had any physical description of the man so far, so 
Maybe no. they'll come up. Maybe they won't. So and, he, and, he could be quite a feminine-looking man. Yes. Oh, that should be interesting. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. And, and with these, I mean, you might not know. You know more than me. Were these written as a series? As in, are we are we literally reading them as they were intended to be read, or were they just written on a subject and it didn't matter which order? I'm not sure. I mean, they they seem to have quite a almost a narrative to them that we sort of follow down. I mean, obviously, as you said before, the first one serves as a sort of table of contents and an introduction to the whole series. And I mean, they are grouped in different. What well, obviously we'll have the procreation now. There's the Dark Lady Sonnet, so we'll have a look at later. So yeah. they, I don't know if you wrote them in that order, but they certainly they are now. together that way, and then they, they do work this way quite well. So, so I, whether I that was by that design was the, uh, or or by later scholarly reworking of. Order. I mean, we're talking about Shakespeare here, so. I, there's a fairly high chance that it was by design. Yeah. That's... He was a fairly smart fella. <laughs> yes, as we saw in that Doctor Who episode. Exactly. He he knew the psychic paper was actually blank. Yes. Therefore, yes. we know he's genius. That's... Obviously, I'm... the 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 the, uh, the only do- historic documentary we have of Shakespeare <laughs> is that R- Doctor written Who written by uh, Russell T Davis. Yeah. The uh, Britain's greatest historian. <laughs> Yes, we're including the, the adventures of a time-travelling historian and his plucky sidekick. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to step back there from this on it, unless there's anything else you wanted to pick up on. I think we've, we've, uh, we've picked up on, uh, on all the things that are interesting in there. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I, shall, I shall hand it over to you for, for your you reading. Yeah. Sonnet number three. Look in thy glass and tell the face thou viewest, now is the time that face should form another, whose fresh repair if now thou not renewest, thou dost beguile the world, unbless some mother. For where is she so fair, whose unneared womb disdains the tillage of thy husbandry? Or who is he fond will... (laughs) See, I stumble there as well. (laughs) Or who is he so fond will be the tomb of his self-love to stop posterity? Thou art thy mother's glass, and she is in thee, calls back the lovely April of her prime. So thou doth window... I've done it again. <laughs> this is not going well so far. <laughs> no, no, I, that's, I'm enjoying this. So, so, so. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> so thou through windows of thine age shalt see, despite of wrinkles, this thy golden time. But if thou live, remember not to be, thy single and thine image dies with thee. I think that was my best work so far. That was good. It's quite hard not to do that last line with some passion. I I don't know if you had the same not 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 sort of going to the the secondary school education that I had here. But were you forced to read these things in school out loud? I can't. I didn't do all the sonnets in school. I did a few. I remember doing the Dark Lady sonnets, and I did various ones. Just spread like picked out a few. I, I we would we actually... would have. The teacher read something, read one of the sonnets or read a poem really quickly and really elegantly and get all the intonation right and then would pick a random child and go, now read this one. And the, I, there's the embarrassment factor of of always stumbling. And, and that's why I'm forcing myself to read them now so that the viewers out there can listen to me and, and you stumble. And just to show that 
it's it's absolutely normal when reading these things out loud to stumble. It is quite. It's 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 mainly the the um the th they, they seem to pop up quite a lot, and then thr th and then you, he throws in an f and a w in between, so you kind of <laughs> stumble over your own tongue in between, and it's just yeah. Yeah, and and of course they uh, words would have been pronounced differently, differently as well. Yeah, so, you, so yeah, you have to be careful with the rhyming and words that you would pronounce differently. That yeah. Anyway, um, this has been a, a Shakespeare sonnet. That that was sonnet number three. I've been Mark Chatterley. I have been Thierry Hillis, and we shall see you again next time for sonnet number four. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Shakespeare Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.